This is the Michael Wall Show. Michael is a speaker, author, and president of Wall Private Wealth. His passion is to help families live on purpose and live with purpose. And now, here's Michael Wall. Well, welcome in, everyone. It's Michael Wall here. Obviously, Michael Wall Show dialed in each and every week, and we're uh, set this week to have a phenomenal show. A lot of great information. So glad you joined us. And I know a lot of you are dialing in each and every week. We appreciate that. Let me just pause and say thank you, thank you, thank you. Three times is better than one. That's why I did it three. Because I want you to feel overthanked for listening to the show. And, you know, we want to add a lot of value. So we appreciate your feedback as well. I know a lot of you are listening via radio. Many of you are listening via podcast all over the world. And you subscribed uh, all the way from iTunes to SoundCloud to Stitcher to all of these other places. MichaelWalshShow.com at any time you want to learn more about us or just search Michael Walsh Show on Facebook. And as always, uh, we have Randy Cook joining us. He helps out with the show and does a lot of different things, adds adds some insight. And uh, while I'm speaking, just so you know, if you've ever wondered, what does Randy do? He's typically uh, doing either push-ups, jumping jacks, or both at the same time. Later in the show, just kind of out there as you're listening, you can hear, we're going to talk about um, being willing to change. And, you know, some things happen with the tariffs. We talked about that last week. We're going to talk about it this week. But what that means, how do we change as things come along that we didn't expect? Because things change, and we have to navigate to it. Also, how do we deal with people that come in and out of our life? You know, because of that change for the tariffs, for the White House, uh, that we had uh, a top advisor leave. And so in our day-to-day lives, we have change. How do we deal with that? The other topic that's come up a lot is maximizing your RMDs. This is required minimum distribution. So this is for those of you that are a little bit older, 70 and above, and you got to take required minimum distributions, or maybe you're younger and you're preparing for that. We're going to talk about the best way to do that. And then we have a little segment on the off the wall segment to talk about Bitcoin. And Ellen weighs in on that. Ellen DeGeneres weighs in a bit. And I know, Randy, we're going to have some fun with that. So let's dial in to the motivational segment. Because this is always, I think, one of my most exciting segments just to really help you live with purpose so you can live on purpose. And I want to talk today about the idea of not confusing popularity with success. You know, I'll never forget this. When I was listening to Zig Ziglar, I was selling books door to door. Uh, I was knocking on doors 80 hours a week. If you can even imagine this in your mind, just think about having a little bag with four or five books in it and you're out in the country in the South, I was in South Car- North Carolina, uh, Tennessee, and I was in Georgia. And you're literally there with a book bag, a couple books in it, and you're walking up and you're knocking on doors and you're meeting someone you've never met in the first place and you're trying to get them to get excited about a book that you have. It's quite a task. But I learned a lot about interacting with people in that process. But one of the things that I learned in that process as you're figuring life out and we're always hopefully looking to improve in life and looking to increase our success and increase you know, whatever stage God has given us, Zig talked a lot about the idea of not confusing popularity with real success. And one of the examples he always used was Mother Teresa and Madonna. Now, those are two women that are very well known in the world. People know when you say the name, they know who they are. But the level of success and impact, let's say it this way, impact that will last generations beyond that really changed lives. I think we could all argue that Mother Teresa kind of won out on that one. And so when we when we take a look at uh, what happens with where we are 
and what's going on in life, we have to ask ourselves, are we looking for popularity or are we looking for real success? Now, Madonna made a lot of waves. She made a lot of impact, certainly. And she definitely affected things. But when you look at who you're affecting and how you're affecting and why, and what are you chasing after, and I'm not saying that either of them are good or bad at this point. What I am saying is when you look at your life, you got to know that the reactions, the interactions, and then the ultimate result of what you do in your life, how you live each and every day, is going to affect people. There are people in your life, regardless of your stage, regardless of where you are, regardless of where you work, that watch you. There are children that are in your life that look up to you, even if they're not your own. There are other acquaintances and, and co-workers in your life that watch what you do. They watch how consistent you are. They watch how you interact with other people. They watch the disciplines in your life. And they feed off of that. They feed off of it. You know, I'll never forget, I was, uh, when I was younger, I'll just share this story. This is back when I just graduated high school, right around that time. I was in Pennsylvania, and I was working at Walmart. And not there's anything wrong with Walmart, but that's where I was working at the time. I was working in Lawton Garden and some other things. And I had, uh, anonymously, there was a bunch of money that ended up showing up in my bank account. You, I know you have that all the time, Randy, right? Mm, that's kind of odd. No, that has never happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm literally sitting there and I'm looking at my bank account. And remember, I'm you know, 17, 18 years old. I don't have a lot of money. And all of a sudden, I get a $5,000 deposit. And I'm like, whoa, that's pretty cool. So obviously, I consulted the wisdom of my fellow Walmart employees, which are very, very sound at the time. Kidding, of course. These are just kids looking to party and hang out. And you know what they told me? They said, you know, Mike, if I was you, I would close that bank account as soon as possible and take all the money out. <laughs> so the wisdom that I was getting, by the way, this goes back to uh, whether or not you're going to be just a popular or a real success. So anyways, I, I, I followed in suit and I, I ended up closing that account out. Well, I'll tell you what happened. Uh, my father and my mom actually had a bank account at that same bank. And would you believe we actually have the same last name? <laughs> and so what they did, the bank literally deposited that money into my account accidentally. Now, if it would have been my parents, it sounds like I would have been able to just take it and, you know, it would have been the bank's fault. They would have make it up. But obviously, you know, raising the way I was raised, my dad said, uh, you're going to pay that back. Unfortunately, I had that $5,000 in my sock drawer. The only problem was, is there wasn't five grand anymore. There's only about 2,500. The other 2,500 was spent on some subwoofers and stereo equipment for my car. <laughs> so the point is, <clears throat> I was in a place where I was listening to people for the choices that I was making in my life at the time that didn't necessarily work out for, in my favor, if you will. I had to work overtime to make that money back to pay my parents because I don't know if you've ever tried to sell uh, used stereo equipment, but you typically don't get retail, okay? <laughs> so I'm in a place where that was my experience there. And as then I go to college and I start selling books door to door and I'm listening to Zig talk about this idea of real success versus popularity. And, you know, sometimes people are popular, but they also are able to achieve real success. And I think that's really important as we dial into life. Not that you avoid popularity, not that you avoid the stage, not that you avoid uh, wanting people to really seek out what you're doing, obviously, in life, but that you, you take it for what it is and that you're disciplined to do what's necessary to lead people in the way you're leading them. You know, when you look at leading a person in life, it's a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing. And it's a generational thing. 
Now, I look at my wife as an example. She's just become such a beautiful woman. And all of the struggles that she's had to overcome and work through in her life. And her vision of her life when I met her when she was 18 years old was really very, very small and minimal. She didn't think highly of herself at all. And a lot of it was because of her upbringing. But, you know, when we met and I was so bent on motivation and, and self-talk and, and just positive and growth and all of these things, it couldn't help but overflow on her. And that's my goal for you as you listen to this each and every week is that you dial in and it overflows on you and you apply it and you go back and you listen again and you listen again and you listen again and then you apply because listen, knowledge is great. You hear me say this all the time. Knowledge is great, but application is better. You can know all this information and if you don't apply anything, you're absolutely wasting your time. Let me say it again. You can know a bunch of information, and if you don't apply anything, you can absolutely waste your time. You will waste your time. I remember when I was younger, I used to think, you know, geez, I got all this. I know this. I know this. I know that. I can do that if I want to. I can do that if I want to. And I saw these other people that didn't have near the uh, positivity, motivation, and even training that I did when I sold books and all these things, but yet at a younger age, they were passing me up financially and everything else. And I was like, what's going on here? Well, you know what it was? Flat out work. They just outworked me. So don't ever cast aside the importance of working hard because that is a big part. That is a key, in my opinion, of building real success. Always be willing to outwork your neighbor. You may not be at the office 15 hours a day, but make sure you're capturing your thoughts. Make sure you're thinking about where you want to go and make sure you're unplugging from the world and taking time to literally be in a place where you can gather clarity in your mind. Very, very important. So the difference of popularity and success, make sure you understand it and make sure you step back and reevaluate where you're going. Because even though you may, even though you may not have the huge stages, people are following you in your life. Don't ever forget that. Hey folks, it's Michael Wall here. Just wanted to share a quick thought on how you can make a huge impact on someone else's life. As an active member of Christ Fellowship, I've had the opportunity to interact with a variety of top-notch charities. And it can be challenging sometimes to know where to get involved, either with your time, financially, or both, and then to be sure that your gifts and donations are really making a change. So I wanted to share with you an organization that has recently been ranked number one by Charity Navigator and is dramatically improving the lives of young people, Place of Hope. Place of Hope has been doing just what its name says, giving hope to young people since the mid-90s. I want to encourage you to visit placeofhope.com. Again, that's placeofhope.com to learn more and to see how you can help the cause of improving our nation one child at a time. Welcome back to the Michael Wall Show. Michael, I thought we would kind of reconnect on a topic that we talked a lot about last week, and that is the tariffs. Certainly has a lot to do with our economy, and it became a reality. President Trump decided to move forward with that. And the thing about it is, is all of the negativity that I heard about it kind of got dialed back a little bit, to use your phrase. Originally, it was a 50% tariff on steel and 25% on aluminum. Now it's 25 and 10. Canada and Mexico exempt. So initially, what everybody was all upset about, now everybody's saying, well, maybe not so bad, you know? And I, I, I thought about, you know, listening to you talk 
talk about that kind of thing. Sometimes what we originally hear and what we originally see sometimes can work out for the best. It doesn't always have to be the worst. Well, that's exactly right. And I was glad to hear that aluminum wasn't as bad because I don't know what the cans are, but you know, I, when I buy my baked beans, <laughs> I don't want to see the prices going too high. It's very, very important. You know, actually I am, I am in the middle, believe it or not, I am in the middle of a, a season where we're kind of dialing back and paying attention. So we're doing a little beans and rice for the body and a little mm-hmm. cleanse and some different things. But you know, it is, it is interesting. So a lot of times, listen, it's, it's called business. Okay. And, and the problem is, is the media flat out. The media just over politicizes mm-hmm. everything. And, you know, I was thinking about that the other day. A lot of times as you see media, as we watch media, regardless of where you are, I mean, 90 to 95 percent of the stories are negative. You know, I'm walking into a, a surf uh, shop area at a resort with my wife. You know, it's the middle of the day. I mean, it's like, I don't know, two in the afternoon. And there's a story on TV about this guy murdered so-and-so and they're trying to find out. I mean, listen, every single story is about someone killing someone or someone raping someone or something negative or bad. I mean, no wonder people live in fear. Uh, and then obviously we, we live in a, such an over-politicized world that they try and, I believe, do that to construe the market movement and everything else like that. And, and that's a whole other story when you talk about conspiracy theory and everything else. But, and I do believe some of that exists, by the way. But all that to be said, you know, when we take a look at things in negotiation that are presented, Trump, I think, sometimes could do better to just keep his mouth shut, certainly. But there's a lot of things that he's doing by moving the needle forward and, and bringing up issues, quite honestly, that nobody's talking about. You know, they've been talked about, let me say it that way, over the years, but nothing's been done. Nothing's been done. Uh, you know, everybody complained about the whole tax. Oh, taxes. Oh, my goodness. You're going to the economy. And just look what's happened to the overall market since that's happened. I mean, there's been so much money deployed. Literally, last month, uh, we've had the largest job increase that we've had in the last year and a half. Okay. Uh, over 300 and some thousand jobs added that month. <clears throat> Nobody's talking about that. So, and I'm not, I'm not necessarily standing here saying, oh, vote for Trump, vote for Trump. I'm just saying, guys, listen, when you take a listen to the media, as you listen to the media out there, don't just immediately make a decision day one, day two. You know, when I put a business plan together, or those of you that are listening out there that have businesses, you understand this. When you put a business plan together, part of that process is, first off, understanding who your customer is. Number two, how you're going to get your product sold to them. And number three, the most efficient way to do it. And there's a lot of other factors, but those are three main keys. And now you're literally in a place where there's going to be some ebb and flow as you go along. You're going to, you're going to maybe connect with a company that's going to do graphic design for you as an example. And, and then you connect with another company. You're going to get two or three bids, hopefully, to hopefully get the best value for the dollar. Uh, you're going to negotiate with the people. You're going to change your product as time moves along based on how the market itself that you're marketing to responds to your product. And so Trump is a business guy, right? Obviously, you want to try and lead. It's like anytime you sell your house, think about it like this. If you have a house that's worth, let's just say, $2 million, just to pick a number, and you know in your heart of hearts that when you sell that thing, you would take $1.6 million for it. So the house is worth $2 million, and you know your bottom line number is $1.6 million. Hopefully it's not, or you know, it's too much cake there. But let's just say that's the case. Are you going to lead to your first buyer or the person you negotiate with and say, hey, uh, I just want to let you know I'm going to sell this thing and I'll take as low as $1.6 million. No way. You're going to lead out and say, I want $2 million for this house. 
Why? Because you want to get as much as you can for your home. Now, similarly, some people may like it, some people may dislike it, but similarly, and I'm not saying, again, I agree with every single thing Trump says, but similarly, he's saying, hey, as as an American country, we want to get as much bang for our buck for the country. And I think, quite honestly, in my thought of heart of hearts and thoughts in general, you know, I'm pro-America. I'm okay with that. Now, that doesn't mean that we end there. And as you mentioned, Randy, a lot of there, there was a lot of negotiation. The percentage changed. But I use that house analogy because I think if we dial it down to our own person, I think you are foolish if you say you would actually literally lead with your lowest number that you would take if you were selling your own home. Because nobody would do that in their right mind. So similarly with tariffs or anything else, or anything, quite honestly, that Trump proposes... Listen, first and foremost, the guy's a businessman. That's it. Some people may say he's shrewd. Some people may say, I don't agree with him. Well, that's fine. But, you know, most of those people that say that haven't walked in the shoes that he's walked. And and I think the idea of him taking the reins to say, listen, uh, we're being underserved as a country by billions of dollars. I think I'm excited that he took it on. Now, is this the right answer that we've passed? You know, I don't know. Only time will tell that for sure. You know, what do we actually do long term? I don't know. But what I do know is we have to look at it from the right context. And I can guarantee you the perspective of media, whether it's Fox or CNN or MSNBC or whoever it is, is going to paint whatever is said politically into whatever corner they want to paint you in because they have agendas. I don't have an agenda. My agenda is for you to add value and quit worrying about the nonsense. I did a motivational video. And by the way, if you want it, reach out to us. Go to michaelwallshow.com and just scroll down and click on request info or or send us an email at info, I-N-F-O at leanonthewall.com and just request motivational video. And I talked about the idea of quit worrying about all the stuff going on out there that you can't control, that I can't control. You know, Randy, I'm on a tangent here. I know you love that, right? <laughs> you get on the soapbox. That's okay. Get on it, baby. That's but you know what right. I was what, you know what I was thinking of? I was thinking today, it, it just came to my mind. I think of, you know, all of these kids, all of these high school, college, even adults, they're laying all over the street protesting. They're walking up and down the street protesting. And I'll tell you what it is. We're literally in a place, and I wrote this down on my sticky pad here. I call it my phone sticky. I didn't I didn't have my phone wasn't in the right place, so I got a sticky pad and I wrote it down. The old school sticky pad. Here's what it says. Convenience and ease. It's going to be a chapter in the book that I write as I'm writing right now, another book I'm writing, because I think it's a big, big problem. We struggle with this today in our culture. You know, one of the greatest reasons we face challenges as a society, I believe, is because of convenience and ease. People have way too much time on their hands and they got no purpose, zero. Their only purpose is to lay on the ground and walk on a street that people are trying to drive to work. They feel that's their purpose because I'm going to I'm going to be part of a movement which is funded by billionaires all over the world and, and they're selling propaganda. Whereas if we lived in a generation 20, 30, 40 years ago where people literally had to say, you know what? Hey, kids, I don't have an, I'm just, we're, I'm struggling to pay our bills in general. You're going to have to go to work. When you turn 16, you're going to have to go to work. When you turn 13, you're going to have to work at the house. No iPad, no phone, no sitting around Snapchatting everybody 14 hours a day. No complaining that the water's too cold and you didn't get pizza 
every night of the week. We have, we have created a bunch of crybabies, a bunch of wimps, and it drives me nuts. And if you're out there and you're, you're agreeing with what I'm saying and you're a grandparent or you're a parent, I want to challenge you to shut the spigot off. Stop it. You're literally, we are literally as a culture creating the problem and then we wonder why we have a problem. This isn't okay. It's time to stop it. And you know what will happen? People will go to work. They'll get a sense of pride. They'll get a sense of the fact that they can actually accomplish something on their own. You know what that does with them? It creates self-worth, which gives them the ability, the desire, and the intention to want to give back to help others get that self-worth because they know what it, they know what it takes. Why am I so passionate about that? Listen, I've never been given anything. I started my first company 17 years ago. From We lived in an apartment, 400 bucks a month. We drove, we, my wife and I shared a purple five-speed Ford Escort. Randy, that's where we started. Purple? I know you like Ford Escorts. Purple? Purple. Okay? And I was driving. I'm picturing it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you know, seats back, I'm burning tires, front-wheel drive. I mean, I had it all, baby. <laughs> But you know what I you know what I did is I learned to appreciate what I have and I learned how to work hard. And oh by the way, on the wealth side, wall private wealth, when people come into this office, this firm, or wherever they are in the country and they want a second opinion on their wealth, you know one of the things that they say nine times out of nine that they connect with me on is the fact that I understand what it means to grow something. So when they come in here because they want to sell a business or because they work hard for what they have. And their current financial person is literally in a place where they just went to work for a company and that company gave them a book of business and a cozy seat and all this stuff. Well, I didn't come at it from that perspective. And I'm not mad about that, but I learned so much through the process. That's why I'm passionate. That's why I know where I'm going. And that's why I want to encourage our society to literally be in a place where we challenge our young people to know where they're going. And instead of just looking for the next march that they can get involved with. There's nothing wrong with being involved with a march. But if that's your full-time focus, that's a serious problem. And that's where we become as a culture. And that's another soapbox that I didn't intend to be on, Randy, but I just, it hit me and I'm frustrated about it and I'm sharing it because I believe we can make some serious, positive change if people actually step up to the plate, put their big boy and girl pants on and say, listen, I'm tired of the way things have been. I am no longer going to satisfy the wants and needs of our kids just saying, I want this and I want that and I want this. And they're going to say, listen, you want it? Go work for it. Because I had to work for it. You go work for it. And I can guarantee you, if we just do that one small thing, that one small thing, there will be a huge ripple effect in this country of patriotism again, of people that care again. Because when you work hard for your own money, you value your own money. When you get money for free from someone else, you don't value it. And you're literally in a place where you can't Learn to value it until you've learned how to create it. And that overflows into every part of our life. 
Let's talk about a different generation of folks right now, Michael. All right, let's do it. Let's because do it. you mentioned that at the beginning of the show, 70-year-olds mm-hmm, have mm-hmm. to deal with something called a required minimum distribution. Yeah. They've had a 401k or an IRA. They have to take a certain amount of money out. That's tax deferred. Yeah. Yeah. But then a lot of times they look at that money and they say, I don't need this money. What do I do with this money? How can I make this money? How can I maximize it for myself, a charity, the people I love? Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So a couple things. First off, I want to talk about pre and post. Okay. So pre-RMD. So what is an RMD first off? RMDs are required minimum distribution. So here we are, you're in life. If you're younger and you're listening to that, you're saying, what's, I've never heard of that before. If you're older and you're listening to this, you may have said, I never heard of that before. I don't know. (laughs) But what it is, you know, as we live life, you have investment accounts, right? And and some of them are just general non-qualified accounts uh, where it's just money that you've made, you've earned, you invested somewhere. When you invested somewhere, you pay taxes on the gains depending on what it's invested in, et cetera. But then you have other accounts like IRAs and you have Roth IRAs, but we're not going to talk about that right at this point. But you got IRAs, you got 403Bs. Most of the time you see that with municipalities, government workers, as well as uh, educators. Typically they have 403Bs. You have 457 plans, you have deferred comps. So there's a variety of different types of plans. These are all plans that you can literally, over the course of your working years, you're putting money, you're taking money each month or however often you do it, and you're investing into these investments. And the investments inside of the plan might be stocks or bonds or mutual funds or ETFs or you know even annuities and different things. But the point is, is you're taking money each and every month and you're setting it aside. And when you take that money and set it aside each and every month, you're getting a tax break. So if you put you know, 20000 a year or 50000 a year or 100000 a year or 5000 a year or whatever aside into one of these vehicles, if you will, you literally do not have to pay taxes on that money. It, it, it actually is deducted off of what's called your ordinary income for the year. So it's a tax savings while you're making it and while you're working. But then what happens is as you get older, that money grows and grows and grows. And as it grows, it grows tax deferred, meaning that it's still taxable. You just don't pay any taxes on it until later. So all of the value grows tax deferred. And then let's just say you're in a place where you're still working or you have your own business or you're consulting or you have rentals, uh, real estate that you're getting income from or whatever. And, and by the time you're 70 and a half, you're like, you know, I don't need any money from that account anyways right now. Well, the government says, wait a minute, you must take a withdrawal from that account at the age of 70 and a half. You must do it. Whether you want to or not, you must. Why? Well, because you haven't paid any tax on any of that money ever. You got a tax break and you uh, the money grew. Let's say over the course of your working years, you put in $2 million and that, that total number has grown to $5 million, as an example. Well, that $5 million in an IRA or 401k or whatever the number is, is now 100% taxable. Okay, and you put your own number in there. It might be a million, it might be 500,000, it might be 20 million, whatever, in an IRA. But that number is all taxable. And so what the government says is they say, well, we don't want you to just keep growing at tax deferred. We'd like to get some of our money too. So they will literally say, at 70 and a half, you must take a distribution. Now, here's what that looks like. That distribution is determined based on mortality tables or RMD tables, really, to be more specific. And there's different divisors that are used to determine how much you have to take out. As an example, the divisor that's used at 70 and a half is 27.4. 
So whatever your value is, whatever your December 31st value is, you must take that value out uh, at this divisor and that's the amount you take. So if you got a million bucks, you take out, you know, whatever that number is, 20,000, 15,000, 50,000. I I don't know exactly off the top of my head. It's probably closer to 50 grand. And uh, you take that number out and you spend it. Now, when you get that money, you're in a place where you have to pay taxes. By the way, if you do not take your RMDs, if you say, the heck with it, I'm not taking money out. There's a 50% penalty, by the way. Very important. So if you don't take it out, they'll penalize that value by 50%. So it's crucial that you do this and you get it done right. If you're out there and you're approaching 70, you're in your mid-late 60s or you're in your early 70s or 70s already, and you got questions about this, reach out to us, michaelwallshow.com, scroll down, and you'll see a place where you can connect with us. Or give us a ring, 888-511-WALL, 888-511-9255, and our team can help walk you through a little bit of that. But here's the, here's the material point when you take a look at this. A lot of times, a lot of the families we work with do not need their required minimum distributions. They say, I got to take this money out, but I don't need it. I don't need the income. I don't need the money. I, I like to. I don't want to pay the taxes on it either. How can I do some tax planning, but also maximize this money at the same time? Most of the folks we work with, uh, as we are as well, are very, very philanthropic, and so they're involved in charities. Uh, they're giving monies to different charities or organizations. And one good thing that you can do, one great easy way to maximize your RMD if you don't need it, is to give it directly to a charity. Now, this is important because the way you do this matters. And if you get it wrong, you're still going to pay taxes. Okay? So let's just use the example of $50,000 as an example. Let's say that's your requirement minimum distribution about you want to give that to a charity. Well, if you take that money out and you get it to you it, you take it to you personally, you personally get a check. You're going to pay taxes on it. That amount, There's going to be an amount of money that goes to the government. There's no way around it. And then you give whatever's left over to the charity. The right way to do it is to have wherever the money is, whatever custodian it's at, whether it's at an insurance company, if it's an annuity, or if it's Schwab or Fidelity or TD Ameritrade or Folio or whatever, You take that money and have it directed so the money goes directly from the custodian to the charity. And it literally never comes to you. If you do it that way, what happens is all of the money goes to the charity. The entire required minimum distribution goes to the charity and you do not have to pay any monies in taxes and it is not counted as part of your ordinary income. So there's very, very important that we do it correctly there. And that is the most efficient way if we want to maximize giving RMDs to charities. Now, one other thing for those that are pre-70, I said in the beginning of this segment, those of you that are pre-70. So if you're, if you're 50, 55, 60, 65, and you're, you're there and you're saying, well, that doesn't apply to me at this stage in the game. You're right, it doesn't yet. But one of the things we want to do is we want to make sure we maximize your IRA, 401k, and these plans so that way when you get to uh, 70 and a half, you literally have the least amount of monies in an IRA as possible. And what we do a lot of times is we'll do what's called strategic planning, oftentimes using strategic conversion and some other things to ensure 
that we minimize the amount of money in the IRA, which reduces the required minimum distribution amount, and by the way, grows the tax-free amount in other other investments. Very important to do tax planning before. So if you're younger, you know, let's say 45, 50 and above, but not quite to 70, and you got some questions about that, I would encourage you to reach out as well. Again, 888-511-9255, 888-511-9255 is our toll-free number, and you can reach out to the team and get some questions on what should I be doing to maximize that value before. But Randy, this is a big thing, and this is something that, uh, I had I, I literally had a family that was giving their RMDs away each and every year, but they were getting the distribution. And I told him, I said, do you realize over the last five years of your life, you've literally given the government $200,000 that could have went to your charity? Ouch. That's- and they were, their monies before they came to us were managed by a large, you would know the name, and so would all the listeners, a large tax firm in the country. Mm-hmm. That said, oh, by the way, we do wealth management too. And obviously when I shared that simple fact, it's it's simple. Then they said, well, what else are these people missing when it comes to managing my money? Which is ultimately why they ended up trusting us, Wall Private Wealth, with with managing their wealth. But it's something we see a lot. And it's a very simple, easy fix. But it's got to be done right. And there's certain paperwork and certain things that must be filled out to make sure it is done correctly so it lines up with the IRS guidelines. You don't want to get this wrong. Very important. You deal with somebody that understands how to do this. The Required Minimum Distribution, or RMDs. If you have a question, and we brought up a few today, why don't you give us a call? 888-511-WALL. It's 888-511-9255. Or you can find us online at michaelwallshow.com. There's a button down at the bottom of the page on the website that says, Request My Review. You can leave your name, your email, and a comment about what is concerning you, and our team will reach out to you. Coming up next, our guest this week is Jason Botts. He's a former Major League Baseball player, and he's made that transition over into the coaching realm. Not coaching in the major leagues, but coaching people like you to get the peak performance from their life. We'll talk to Jason coming up next. Worried about losing money in another market crash? Ever wonder if your investments are in the right place? I'm Michael Wall, founder of Wall Private Wealth, radio show host and TV commentator. There's a lot of fog in the financial industry, and I want investors to be able to break through that fog. That's why I wrote the book, Retire Once, Retire Well. It reveals secrets that Wall Street doesn't want you to know and gives you insider tips to help you maximize your wealth. Go to retirewellbook.com to get your copy right now. Welcome back to the Michael Wall Show. Again, live in studio, we have a great guy, Jason Botts. Jason is uh, a buddy I met a couple years ago. Uh, actually, our kids were playing baseball and having a lot of fun. Jason is uh, was in the major league system for about 15 years, played ball for about 15 years, signed initially with the Rangers, and you went to Japan. And Jason, you've been all over the world. All over. You can throw in last seasons in Mexico, Puerto Rico, Dominican. Everywhere, baby. Everywhere. Yeah, so he worked on his tan is the point. You know, that's that's and very... Spanish is still terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Como instead. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. You know, this whole process of transition, I mean, we all go through transition in life, you know, uh, whether it's in family, whether it's in work, whether it's in both. And, you know, I think it's something, especially for ball players, right? Because the, the, the dream when you're younger... You kind of want to be in the leagues, the big leagues. And was that kind of you? You started out as a young kid and just said, man, I just someday I just want to be in the big leagues. Is that always you or where did that come from? Absolutely. That was me from the beginning. And there was no doubt in my mind that that was going to happen. Mm. And it wasn't an easy path to get there. I had to overcome a lot of challenges and adversity to get there. But 
my whole life was spent being a ball player. I'm a ball player. I'm a ball player. And after 15 years of professional playing it professionally to transition out, you know, there definitely was a part of me that was like, Oh, what now? What yeah. Now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Should I, I mean, I can sell, be the Dr. Pepper guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm kidding. When did you know, I think it's time to kind of look to check out. Ooh, that I never saw it coming. Hmm. Is um, that right? That I, I completed that 15th season. I thought I was going to have a few more years of maybe playing independent ball just locally. I really wanted my sons to grow up in that clubhouse environment and, and to grow up around the game. And just within a few weeks after that, it just felt like it was time. Wow. And it was this really... And your sons your sons were how old at that ah, time? At the time, they were probably five and three. Okay. And um, I really wanted to not travel as much. I wanted to be around them more. And I wanted something new. I wanted mm-hmm. a new challenge. Mm-hmm. And um, that was what I made the decision was I wanted new growth. I wanted a new challenge. I felt like I maxed out who I was and what I could do on the baseball field. And I wanted something more. Did you have any idea what you wanted to do? Or is it just kind of like, geez, I'm just going to step out and see what it looks like? I knew what I wanted to do, but I didn't have the courage yet to do it. Mm. And um, probably the first six months, I was fortunate enough that my wife at the time was running this huge business. Mm. I was a stay-at-home dad, so I got to spend more time. And I had this, uh, this relief, a sense of relief of I didn't have to deal with the pressures of being a professional athlete anymore. I could just sit back, lay back with the boys, enjoy life. Mm. And that was great for six months. That feeling of I'm starting completely over mm. was what really, I think, weighed on me at the very beginning. And I knew what I wanted. It's what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit different, but you know, I knew I wanted to do it, but I, I had that overwhelming sense like it's, it's too big. How do I get started? How am I going to do this? Mm. And the fears that come in with, with any new challenge, um, I just avoided it. Yeah. And you're really mental performance and mindset coaching. Is most of the folks you're working with athletes or what do you see there? So as you mentioned, I was kind of pushed, eventually pushed into it. Hmm. Right? I had this dream. I had this goal. I wanted to be someone who made other people better. Yeah. Halfway through my career, I hired somebody who was kind of my mental performance coach. Had me, helped me with the ups and downs of competing every single day, keeping my mind in that positive state. Mm-hmm. Um, developing new and stronger belief systems as I went along and helping me just on and off the field be my very best. The time that I put in to study, to learn, to apply, to take on those challenges of anything that I was reading, studying, the courses I was doing, man, I, I mean, everything set into me. And so I was able to put myself together over those couple of years, get on my feet, start this peak state business where I'm working with athletes and the ages are anywhere you know, from high school age to the young professional, just get into the major leagues and help them with this mindset where they go out there and perform their very best. But over the last couple of weeks and on the side through the whole journey, like people have always been reaching out to me about their own transitions because mm-hmm. I'm very open about sharing my journey on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my former wife, like we are absolutely still great friends. Like mm-hmm. we co-parent like crazy. Hmm. Um, you know, when we designed that. It was potential. It, it didn't start that way, but we were able to outline it and create this extraordinary life. Not only not a separation, but an expansion of our family. Hmm. And so much of it came from that pain and those struggles and the learning that we went through. And now getting into my next step for me and over the last couple of weeks, it's been called on my heart is that, okay, I need to pass this on to more, mm-hmm. more men, more family, more yeah. fathers that, you know what, get back into living life with passion, with purpose and be that example, be that leader for your wife, your girlfriend, for your children. Yeah. And um, I mean, they are learning constantly from us just by watching us and really setting that example. And I think that's what, you know, I refer to as the full force life is just when, you are just fully present, fully giving the moment everything you have. Yeah. 
And, uh, you know, that's for me, that's full force. That's awesome. I love it. So you've come full circle back to where you need to be and really encouraging others. Uh, we got we to gotta end it here, but I want to give you the last word. So, Jason, uh, when people connect with you, just in a short connection or short thought, what are they going to get? What are they going to get? Yeah. For it's, it's a one-on-one guidance program. Yeah. I mean, it's mentoring them from where they are to where they want to be and living the life that they want. Yeah, love that. So JasonBotsPeakState.com is where you can find them out. Jason, thanks so much for joining us on the show, taking a few moments and just sharing your story to the world. I appreciate you having me, Michael. You're listening to The Michael Wall Show. Catch up on previous episodes at MichaelWallShow.com. Well, hey, we're dialing back in here. Going to cover the off the wall moment just in a second, but I want to talk uh, real quick about the idea of the economy. You know, a lot of people are talking about, hey, the economy's overheating. What's going to happen? Is there going to be a big crash this year, next year? And uh, we are in a place, don't be confused, a lot of controversy out there about this, but we are in a place where we're over nine years in a bull run. And the market's not going to just go up forever. So I just want to take a pause moment in this last segment to let you guys know as you're listening to this, make sure you are prepared for a market crash. If the market crashes and you lose a bunch of money, don't say I didn't warn you because it's going to happen. It's not going to go up forever. And when and, and I'll tell you right now, it goes down a lot faster than it goes up. You realize the average uh, bear market which is, a, which is a negative time in the market, the average bear market is only eight months. Okay? So make sure you're mindful of that. You got some questions, reach out to us, michaelwallshow.com. Uh, obviously, we have that private wealth firm. Our firm minimum over there is a million. We have a private wealth division, which is 25 million. Uh, and then we have a pro athlete division. We also are creating a special club for those that don't qualify for our financial minimum. It's going to be a subscription base. So if you want to check that out, if you're listening to this via podcast, and you say, I don't quite have a million yet, but I'd like to get some of your insight each and every month. How do I do that? Well, go to michaelwallshow.com and just scroll down, click on request information and ask about that special club. If you're over a million, give us a call or give us a ring. Reach out to us, michaelwallshow.com. All right, so wanted to pause there, a little shameless plug, but I wanted to do it because... We are prepared, I hope you are too, for a market crash. We're really prepared uh, to help families be successful in any economy. Now, let's talk about Ellen, because she's a <laughs> pro when it comes to Bitcoin, right? It was interesting. Kidding, of course. She threw that out to the audience just to ask people about if they understood Bitcoin. Take a listen to this. Who's heard of Bitcoin? <laughs> <laughs> Who can explain what Bitcoin is? Liar. (laughs) Nobody knows how it works. Nobody. And all I know is Bitcoin is either worth $20,000 or nothing. That's what I know. It's like a digital antiques roadshow. You're just standing in line and you have no idea until you get there. (laughs) It is a confusing topic, Michael, but we hear it just keeps going up and up and up and up and up. But it's, it's one of those places that if you don't understand, you probably shouldn't go there or at least have somebody on your side who does understand it. Yeah, you know, one one of my concerns with Bitcoin at this stage in the game, uh, my only, not only, but one of my concerns would be, not that there's not future for it, but I think there, you know, obviously it's traded on the blockchain. It's actually very clear when you take a look at Bitcoin in general um, or any of the other currencies like it, it actually is clear what's going on with the transition in trades. The problem is, and this could be said for almost any currency in the world today, there's really nothing backing up the valuation. That's the concern. And, you know, when you look at the dollar as an example, the U.S. dollar, you know, the dollar used to be backed up by gold, right? The gold standard. We remember that. So it was 
a certain amount of gold per each dollar. And that, that's where valuation came from. Well, that's been stripped away. So technically, even the dollar and any other currency in the world really doesn't have anything backing it up, essentially, other than the strength of the overall economy and, you know, who's got the bigger measuring tape and that kind of thing. And I mean, at the end of the day, that's really the key. So when you take a look at Bitcoin and a lot of these other currencies, the biggest thing that we know is um, it is it is definitely there's no real backing to the currency itself. Now, the other thing that I will say in relation to Bitcoin is simply this. Um, there has been a, you know, a lot more momentum with Bitcoin from the SEC and from other regulatory bodies. And we see this all the time in other investments in general in the world, that it's not necessarily that the, that currency or the, uh, that investment's going to go away, but it's, it's, I believe it's headed for some challenging roads ahead. Because, you know, when the government gets it, it's like the government's showing up at your business and say, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. <laughs> you know, I mean, they don't, they don't help businesses when they just show up generally. Uh, in fact, they make it more challenging for business in a lot of ways. And so there's going to be a lot more regulations. A lot of the big banks and the big firms are still, for the most part, kind of against it. They're coming out and kind of embracing it a bit. But for the most part, the internals, you know, they're, they're not okay with the, the details of it all. Again, because we have a dollar-based currency. You're talking about literally repricing the entire way the world operates. And biblically, now if you want to go there, biblically we know that there will be a one-world currency at some point in time. That is biblical. Is this it? I don't know. But what I do know is, um, it, you know, you've you got to be a little bit cautious. The other thing that I will say with Bitcoin is if you have bought in already, depending on where you've bought in, um, or if you're looking to buy in, you've got to be thinking about the exit, because one of the things that happens with Bitcoin is you can buy in and you can even buy other currencies through owning Bitcoin, but then they limit you on the exit based on how much money you've invested in. That's kind of the catch-22 a little bit is you can invest in, put your money there, but then you're in a place where you can't necessarily take it all out after a period of time. It's not like buying a stock where you can go buy 50,000 shares of Apple today and sell 50,000 shares of Apple tomorrow. It doesn't work quite the same. So you need to make sure you're researched and you have a lot of good knowledge there, Randy, uh, to help you get to where you want to go. Well, everybody, that's the end of the show for today. Thanks for coming. See you later. No, I'm just kidding. We are we are wrapping up, though. Hope you've gotten a lot of great information. And if you missed the first couple segments of the show, make sure you dial back in. Go to michaelwallshow.com. Again, michaelwallshow.com or search Michael Walsh Show on your favorite podcast app. Great motivation today. We talked about a lot of good things, some tax strategy around your RMDs and some other things you need to be paying attention to. Good conversation with Jason Botts, retired pro athlete. And of course, now you're an expert on Bitcoin after you just listened to this past segment. So, hey, here is to living with purpose and living on purpose. As I challenge each and every week, I want you to go out there and I want you to look for someone that you can do and add value in their life. For someone that can do nothing in return for you. Have a great week. See you next week. Thanks for dialing in. Thanks for listening to The Michael Wall Show. To schedule your personal wealth review, call 888-511-WALL. That's 888-511-9255. To find out more about Michael and the team at The Wall Financial Group, head to leanonthewall.com.
By contacting us, we'll review aspects of your retirement portfolio to include suggestions about how to best utilize stocks, bonds, life insurance, annuities, and other financial products, or if changing management styles is appropriate for your specific needs and objectives. Michael Wall is an investment advisor representative of Wall Private Wealth LLC, a registered investment advisor, and solicitation offered through Clarify Advisory Network, an SEC registered investment advisor. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell any financial vehicle. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments can fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Michael Wall is not affiliated with nor endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency and does not provide legal or tax advice. Please consult with your attorney, accountant, and or tax advisor for advice concerning your particular circumstances. Annuity guarantees rely solely on the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. Insurance and annuities offered through Wall Financial Group, Inc.